Rodney, you plonker. You've got a scent to a Russian gulag. Hello and welcome to the Oncast. My name is Dom, one half of the Oncast. I'm joined by Tom. Say hello, Tom. Hello. Tonight we're talking about the recently released Netflix film, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, starring Viola Davis and Chadwick Boseman. Yeah. Yeah. Bloody good, isn't it? Sorry, yeah. just to get cut to the quick. Right, right, yeah. right up front. It's, yeah, yeah. It, it was not what I was expecting, um, but it was no. really bloody good. Uh, I knew it would be good, <laughs> but it was like, I put it on, yeah, we put it on thinking it was going to be like a, you know, a biopic. It's, it's, a, it's a music biopic. That's that's the, how yeah. it's sort of sold to you as you look at it. Um, and you sort of think, you know, you think Ray, you think these sort of period settings, black musicians in America and it's going to tell a story about their life. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Um, no, that's not what this is. It's a lot <laughs> more intense. Um, yeah. And but it's fucking brilliant. It is amazing. And it's um, I only realised whilst I was watching it, I was like this is a play, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. We had so I watched it with my old man, and we like literally about ten minutes into it, he goes, "This has got to have been a stage play, hasn't it?" I'm like, "Yeah, hundred yeah. percent." Like, and like it's interesting watching because I've seen that they've released a couple of like um, you know behind the scenes, um, you know, talking head points really basically about it, and right because like, one of the producers on it was Denzel Washington. Yeah, um, oh, he's talking. Yeah. And he's talking about how, oh yeah, well we, you know, we wanted to try and make it cinematic and sort of lift it off. I'm like, it's a very well made film, but it still very much feels like a play. I'm sorry, it just does. Like, yeah, the vast majority of it takes place is in like one of two rooms, yeah. um, and there are like there's one scene that there happens are very out on the street. Clear acts as well. Yeah, and like people have monologues and just just the way the dialogue is though. But when, when people get they all get in a room and they're all just like bouncing off each other, this really kinetic sort of yeah paced dialogue where they're all in the same room and every all the blocking is all done very carefully. So it's like, yeah, this is definitely a play. Um but I think that yeah it's it's so well done and so well written is that the um the playwright is like a, literally a, a Nobel Prize winning um Pulitzer Prize winning playwright um August yeah. Wilson. Yeah. Um and he's so yeah, August he's... Wilson is also the guy that did um fences as well. Right. Okay. So Vio Davis and and Chab and um Denzel are like properly bought into this guy. He's like he's been described as like the American Shakespeare. He's like he's he's up there yeah. with like Arthur Miller. That's that's the sort of guy we're talking about. Yeah, he's like the single voice of like uh well not the single voice, but like he's the the single most renowned voice in like black theater yeah in america and a lot of his works are set in and around pittsburgh so mm. sort of where he's from as well and so yeah when you were saying about denzel so denzel bought the rights or owns the rights to i think it's nine or, or all nine of his plays okay that makes sense uh for them to be or like has the options for them yeah, and they were supposed to. They were all supposed to be with HBO. Okay, but now they have, at some point, gone over to Netflix. Yeah, so expect a lot more of these, and they are all sort of. They they are a, a lot of them talk about sort of race relations and, like we'll get into on this as well, um, but yeah, it's it's giving like really frank and really honest voices to like the black community, especially t- in times of like 
subjugation. This is like 1927. This one is set, isn't it? So yeah. Um, and that's what's interesting is like it's framed through the lens of like so Ma Rainey was a real person and a real musician yeah. um, and is credited as being like you know the I think the, the mother of blues they call her is her sort of yeah. nickname um, and one of the earliest recording artists and but then apart from her everything else in in the film is completely fictional yeah in terms of the recording session the other characters all that stuff is completely fabricated for the purposes of the, of the film um but she's a real person that is all centered around um and yeah in this she's played by viola davis and predictably my but god jesus like she's always great isn't she but christ like <laughs> she's just like it's it, it's a phenomenal performance she's completely like not like never like you've seen her never before yeah still recognizably it's a sort of transformative role in the way that not it's just she just encompasses the character and like you feel like from the minute you see her there's this presence mm. and this attitude like attitude of like that she's not going to be told who she is or where she's from or how to live or how to act and she does sort of stand through that throughout which we'll get into later yeah and but i think this I think oh, the yeah. um the bravest thing about her, or like the way she does it is that she a lesser actor, I think, would have made her more likable as a character because Mar Rainey isn't that a likable character to a to a large no. extent. For for a lot of it, you this is a she's a proper piece of work. Like you know what I mean, she's a right arsehole to everybody, and she's she's really arrogant and all the rest of it. But then when you get you peel back the layers, and start to realise what why she's is the way she is and how she's choosing to use her talent to 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 sort of manipulate the situations like it's the one thing that she has to offer the world and one thing she has she has to offer yeah. these these white producers who are just trying to use her and she knows that as long as she's got that hold that over them then they'll respect her and that's as long as they and like yeah we get towards the back end and she's like longing it out for as long as she can yeah it starts everything starts to click but when you first initially meet her she, you just don't she's not likable but i feel like yeah like i say a lesser actress would have been made her a lot more charismatic and a lot more fun to be around yeah um and you'd have more sympathy for her but they don't have that in this she's just yeah and what i like is that she's not she's a character who's not likable but you still root for her yeah like there's no point there's no, no point in this is like she's not the lovable ma rainey that you would expect from like modern black characters where they're like mama like big mama's house in like the stereotypical format you know when they're like oh it's the the affable older black woman and she's not that she's no. so much more genuine she's so much more real she's so much more powerful and it's just that moment that you she's got this presence when she walks into a room that she's not going to be controlled and she's not going to be told who to answer to and what she needs to do yeah. And she's like, I'll do it when I'm ready. And she's talking about um We, who's we? What are you talking about? We. I say yeah. so. And so I am the I'm it's Ma Rainey's band. I say what we're gonna play. I say how we're gonna play it. What do you mean you at like and like the, the way they set it up initially is that it's gonna be some sort of musical like battle uh between her and Levy, who's the character played by Chadwick Bozeman. Yeah. It's all like this kind of you know, the old and the new um versus you know he's trying to sort of spice up uh, or he's got a new arrangement of the song ma rainey's black bottom um and the producer wants to use levy's version because it's just it's got it's it's more upbeat 
and it's like more yeah. what the people want to hear. And she's like, no, it's not the blues. It's not what it's about. And he's got this whole like, you know, Levy is this this tortured artist who just wants to, you know, put his own, make his own stamp on things. And Ma Rainey's just like riding roughshod and telling him, no, this is the way it's got to be, and that's the end of it. So she yeah. is kind of set up as the not the bad guy, but the antagonist, if you will. And yeah. then sort of midway through, everything twists, and you realise that's not what this is about at all, and that's not where this is going. Um, it's a lot deeper than that. Yeah. And it's it's as it goes through and you start to get those like different everybody's story starts to come out. Yeah, it's the there's a monologue um probably about one third of the way through. And I think from that point you start to realise what it's all actually all about and that the music is just yeah. a, is a is really just a window dressing. It's you know, setting the scene for, for a much larger story. Yeah, it's like a framing device for the, everybody else's story. Yeah. And when you start going through the different characters and you start learning more about them and and you start getting these different things that they said, like the song uh, that's sung by uh, Toledo. Yeah. The pianist, when he sings the song, and you're just like, <clears throat> it's like this really acerbic uh, way of singing about things. And he's sort of talking about race relations and saying, well, you can't do this, but you, you can do that. And you can't do this and you can do that, but this is not what they're, they're not going to let you do this. And you're like, oh, fuck. And I mean, even before we even get into the musical side of things, like there's the, the incident with the police on the street. Yeah. Which feels like frighteningly um, current. Yeah it's, yeah. it's crazy, isn't it? Yeah. Um, because that's like that's one of the major changes they made from the play. Because I think originally in the play, obviously you're you're set in a in the recording studio pretty much the entire time. So yeah. I think the idea was that she gets brought in by the police, and then right the record. Then the the producer has to like talk her way out of it and does you know grease the palms of the of the police to get her out of it. Ah, uh, okay. Whereas in the obviously in the film, they're able to actually take it out on the street and see the the incident as it happened. Um, but again, yeah, like you say, they, they're able to. The, the principle of it is the same. There's there's a it, you know there's an incident involving a black person, the white person, and it is assumed that the black person is in the wrong by the white police officer, and there is a prejudice from the white police officer. And it's like this was set in the 1920s, and it's the same shit. It's still happening now. It's fucking yeah. depressing. Like, yeah, it's yeah. just fucking like it's just you it just breaks your heart because you're like, God oh, damn fuck. it. Yeah, and it's again, it's like the benefit of like the, you know, like talking about white privilege, for example, the benefit of that that we're going, oh fuck yeah, like and other people that are going to be watching this and being like, yeah, fuck, well that still happens, and they're angry about it and we're shocked. So it's like the difference in sort of the way that you look at it is so well laid in because it doesn't. There's no there's no agenda to this film. It's talking about real things that happen. Yeah, and, and it's, it's talking yeah. about real situations that do happen. Yeah, and it was written in '84, I think, is when the play like it was on Broadway um, yeah. originally, and that was the, and it was written back then. It's just as yeah, you know, it's, it's it's got everything that it has to say is just as relevant as it was then, as it is now, as it will be in you know, hopefully not too much longer. But God, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Fuck, please. <laughs> but. Yes, this astonishing performance. And I think, you know, obviously, Viola Davis to front load, obviously, she's 
absolutely mind-blowing in this yeah and she's but she's quite understated in a lot of what she does and like her stoicism is where her power lies yeah and it's not it's not a particularly showy performance no and that's sort of moves me on to like the opposite end of that spectrum yeah and the elephant in the room is to talk about chadwick boseman because this this was his last this is the last thing he made yeah yeah, and he passed away during post-production of this film. Yeah. Uh, which adds another layer to it, really, because it's one of those things that you just sort of... Yeah, again, you just sort of realise just what a talent we lost. Yeah, God, God. I mean, yeah, you know how I feel about it. I'm... I'm yeah. <laughs> this, yeah, it's tough to watch. Because he, he was... what. <sighs> Just the amount of energy the guy has in this in this role, knowing full well, and you can tell that he's not well. Like he looks a lot skinnier. I mean, having yeah. you know, going from watching stuff like Black Panther, he looks like sort of drawn and thin, but he's got so much energy, like physical. He's it's such yeah. a physical performance. He's moving, he's dancing, he's like he's literally owning everyone in the room, and just like is it like an electric performance? And that's just like the light stuff. Then when he gets into like these these monologues that he has. Oh, God. Yeah, just like, and, you know, the subject matter, he, he's ranting and raving at why he doesn't, why he no longer believes in God and and shouting at, you know, up at the ceiling as if like, yeah, go on then, strike me down, fuck you. And, and you're watching well, a man. he's saying it, doesn't he? He's like, yeah. you're God, you're God. Yeah, exactly. And it's just like, and but you can't help but think of, bring the, the subtext of what's, you know, the guy's gone now. And he was, whilst he was making this, he was fighting for his life. Yeah. Um, but fuck me, did he? Yeah, I yeah, I, I can't say enough thing enough about it. It, it was it's a phenomenal performance, absolutely phenomenal. Um, it, yeah, it is. And, and I'd I'd heard going in before I'd started watching the film that they were saying, oh, he might get the Oscar for this. And yeah. I thought, okay, well, you know, it's because from all I could tell from like you know looking at the trailers or seeing the, the images and stuff, it was just, oh right, so he's playing like in, there's Viola Davis front and center. And then there's chat. Oh, you see in the background, there's uh, you know she's got all the uh, um, musicians. Oh yeah, is that is that Chad Bozeman playing the the trumpet? Oh yeah, cool. So you think it's just going to be like a supporting role that he's got, and and that's it. But they're saying he's going to get the Oscar. I'm like, okay, that's that's one of those post. What do they call Post-posthumous. it? Posthumous. Posthumous Oscar things. It's a nod. Okay, fine. And then you watch the film. You go, oh fuck me, no, he needs that. They need yeah. to get like regardless of whether the fact that he's gone, forget that. This is an Oscar-winning performance, and he should win yeah. an Oscar for it because Without Jesus Christ, like, <sighs> yeah, like there are these, and it's just it's the quiet moments that build up to the high moments that draw back again. So it's yeah. this it's this path of escalation, and you start to sort of see the desperation in the man, and that he's got an answer for everything because he's, you know, when you think about like earlier on in the film, they say about luck. Yeah. Or and he's like, I don't, I don't give a shit. He was like, I've been there. I've, I've had the worst of it. I've seen the bomb. Yeah, so I, like, yeah. I, I know how to deal with white people. This my daddy taught me how to deal with white people and tells tells yeah. this and make this heartbreaking story. And it's just, the camera just holds on him the whole time, and it is such a showcase for the guy. It, and that is, it's almost like the whole thing's built around it. And he he steals this film. Um, yeah, in a way that I mean talking just briefly about his you know his larger career 
he'll always be remembered for Black Panther, obviously, but you watch that film and as great as Chadwick is in that film, Michael B. Jordan steals the film from him. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? He just, he takes it out from it because it's not, it, it, it's, it's not that kind of performance. It's not that kind of role. In this, Chadwick steals, steals the film from Viola Davis and everyone else. Yeah. He just absolutely owns it and just, he will be the thing that people remember from this particular version of it because this will be done you know it's a famous play it will be done on Broadway again it will be done yeah. multiple times but people will always be have you seen the film version with Chadwick Boseman holy shit yeah. <laughs> like yeah and it's um so funnily enough I think um oh, I can't remember his name now but there's a chap that's going to be in Black Widow yeah who was in the the London stage performance of okay Barney's Black Bottom as well um but principally yeah like we're saying like the plot just revolves around this one recording session the recording plays at the end of the film and it's really it's quite beautiful and quite poetic with a lot of the photographs that were taken on the same day or around the same sort of time but it's there's so the way that the film shot and produced and made is um i don't want to say padding because that would be sort of uh, would be sort of disrespectful to those that made it, but it's the performances here is because it's so theatrical. Yeah. You know, and it is people delivering these like emotionally resonant, really bold speeches in really short stints. You know, we don't have the same level of sort of like character development that you would within a film because it, it doesn't fit that narrative. You know, that's not how these films work you know no and, and it does like i mean there is a certain like you say there's a theatricality to it so you know in the terms of the the, the monologue the standout piece yeah. where levy tells his story it doesn't it does sort of break from reality a little bit in terms of the way he has been with the guys previously for him to then reveal all this stuff about his backstory seems slightly out of place and a bit over the top if you like but that's because yeah. it's a play that's the kind of leaps of logic that you like in a play, he may not have even addressed that to the guys in the room. He may have that may have been a soliloquy to the audience. Yeah, Do you know what I mean. That I'm sure there'll be staged versions of this where that's exactly what it is. But you can't do that on film. You, well, you can. You could. You could talk directly to the camera, but that's not. Then yeah, that's not how they've chosen to do it. And because of that, there is this heightened sense of. Like I said that monologue happens, and then we get one of the guys just playing a song afterwards. Yeah, it's like who's he playing it for? just us and it's like it, it feels very performative but that's because yeah. of the nature of what it is um and like i said yeah as a showcase for some of the some great talent it does an amazing job oh christ yeah and i just there's so much about it there's so many layers of like there's a point when you see obviously we're not going to get into any sort of spoiler territory here because you know, it doesn't need it. it. It deserves to be seen and experienced rather than explained. But it's there are there are things that happen in like the climax of the film, which are so clear in hindsight. Yeah, and that you might you might watch it and go, "Oh, this escalated fast," or "This has happened." This has happened in a different way to what I thought it was going to go, and then you think back and you go, "Nope." Yeah, if the signs were all there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, like, and you just go. These things know. were always going to happen. 
yeah and it, it's, it's constructed that way and like say it, yeah it's very much follows a play structure but it works really well as a film mm. i think again because of the because of the fact that you can get that that intimacy of the camera being right up in people's faces and um it, it uses those tools really effectively um but from the narrative point of view yeah everything is set up from the beginning and there's a sort of it's not yeah it's almost like a Chekhov's gun type scenario i guess isn't it it's that when you when you look back on it you go well obviously that was how it was going to play out it was always going to be like that but it's still sort of shocking and and yeah dramatic um but yeah. it, that's not it's not without its lighter moments i mean there's good stuff like i like the um uh getting her nephew in to do the um the opening yeah bit and he's and he's there for hours and hours and so many different takes because she's got she wants him to do this this opening like um introduction spoken piece before the song starts as part of the recording but this guy's got he's got a stutter so he can't he can never get through the whole thing without stuttering so they're just there for like and like every single time they have to throw away another vinyl record because that's the only way you record it and they just have this again and that's another really good sort of adaptation using film is that every time that happened it then cuts away and you see another record getting thrown in a box upstairs in the recording booth and you couldn't do that on stage you couldn't show that on stage you'd have to just have to just show it happening live you wouldn't be able to intercut take six take seven take eight over and over again but that's that was again another really used well used piece of storytelling yeah definitely and it's yeah there's there's so much going on yeah i mean there's the, so much know, that happens within it but at it, the like same say, time it's, it's a, telling a very simple story yeah it's telling this thing it's a snapshot it's one of those films or you know or movies or there's loads of them where it's like we're going to tell a a day in the life of these group of characters but then we're also going to explore how they got there and each one of them's got their own unique perspective and they they sort of talk about generationally they've got you know Chadwick's character Levy's got one sort of um his philosophy on what is to be a black man in America at this point and what what his role is and then they've got the older guy the um pianist who yeah, has a whole Toledo. speech yeah Cleo isn't it? yeah so he has Toledo. a whole speech yeah. yeah he has his whole speech halfway through saying look why are we doing this how are we yeah we're just content with just scraps from the table and they have this sort of speech about it and then Ma Rainey she's also got her own philosophy about how to deal with white man and how to how to live in this in this world as it currently stands where suppose that we have the illusion of freedom but you don't really have freedom um and they've all got different philosophies on it and that's the that's the meat of it that's what it's really about but they mm. just use this this framing device of these musicians coming together to record a song as as this jumping off point yeah and the, and right. yeah you know, this stuff you know cultural appropriation is another major sort of theme i guess throughout the whole thing because the only yeah. white characters in the whole thing are these producers and managers and there's and it, they're so desperate to just bottle some of that talent some of that special so that they can sell it so they can make money yep. off of it. That's all they're after. That's and it's pointed out very, you know, early on. That is the only reason why they're even talking to these people. They're even like pretending to give them any modicum of respect. And if they can find a way around it, they will. And there's a very brutal ending to that to that effect. Yeah. And that's added. That's that's a new thing actually that I read as well. So that that's that final scene is something really? added for, the, for the movie. Yeah. Um. We'll do, maybe we'll do a slight spoiler tag yeah maybe i think it might entice people to keep to go watch it first of all definitely watch it first it's like it's it's 90 minutes long and it's just for the performances alone is 
phenomenal. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, it it makes me sad watching it because yeah, because the the idea that Chadwick's gone now is just is just inherently fucking sad. Um, mm. For any for anyone, you know, it doesn't you know it doesn't matter. But a young guy who you know had a family and he was incredibly talented, and we've lost him too uh, too young. Um, and it's it's also always sad when that happens. Um, but I, I hope yeah. that this will be another. I, I, you know, he because in twenty sixteen, no one knew who he was. Do you know what I mean? That's what's crazy to me is that we yeah. here we are talking about him, and he this is twenty twenty and he's gone. But his career, like no one knew who the guy was until twenty sixteen. He turned up in Civil War as T'Challa. Yeah, and he's built this incredible legacy, and this like everyone knows who he is, he's, and he's got these you know, murals painted of him, and he's become this inspirational figure, and put in these amazing performances for like you know he's played Jackie Robinson, he's played Jim, um, he's played uh, James Brown, he's, yeah. he's done this, he's done you know Marvel, and it's like he did it in four years, in the in the same in 2016 that was when he first got his diagnosis that he was stage three. Yeah. And he just kept pushing on. He kept going right to the very end because he loved it that much and he cared that much about his craft and what he was bringing. It, I, I told you I'd do this. I told you this would no, happen. No, look, no, it's a good thing. It's a good thing, man. Like, <laughs> I told you I'd, I'd end up. It needs to yeah. be said. Like we, yeah. this is rec- the recognition of like a generational talent, <clears throat> you know, of somebody that was that shone so bright and that we were very, very fortunate that we were in a position where we got to see him be able to perform and be at his best. And arguably I would say in, yeah, that, you know, his last performance was almost his best from what I've seen. Yeah. I think in terms of what, from what I've seen, I mean, I can't, but I haven't seen his entire catalog of movies, Um, but from everything I've seen him in, I think this has got to be his strongest, one of his strongest performance. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Like, this this performance just blew my mind. Like the uh, again talking about like the stoicism that you see within characters like T'Challa, it was it was like a prime example of that. It was like the you know the heavy is the head that wears the crown, the reluctant king, uh, and you know he's taken a lot of responsibilities and but he's aware of that. But he knows that he needs to be who he is and how he is to do these certain things. But that yeah, this guy's re- required him to like, be he's... restrained. Whereas Levy isn't. No, Levy has just, no restraint. Literally, just walks in, just completely lights up the room, and you're watching this, thinking that you know, in the back of your head, like this guy, like you must have filmed this like within a year of his death, and look at the amount of energy the guy's bringing. It's like, what's your excuse? Why? What do you mm. mean? Like, fuck. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's he's an inspirational guy, um, and yeah, I, I I don't know what else to say really. Yeah, I mean, you know, obviously, obviously, the the, the film's dedicated to his memory as well. Yeah, so, as it should be, as it should be. Um, yeah, and I hope that. Yeah, I, I feel like he will get the Oscar this year for this. Um, I hope I mean, so. I, it's I, I, deserved, I, and not is. in, uh, and not in a. Like we were saying before, not in one of those ways where you're like, oh well, yeah, it's presumed so because they passed away during or like during post production or during the yeah, making. Yeah, I guess of, the, 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 the main comparison can be. Yeah, I think I guess the main comparison people will make is to Heath Ledger and the Joker, um, yeah. and whether that was a deserved Oscar or not. That's another a debate for another time, maybe. Um, yeah, I don't but, think it'd be tasteful to. No, absolutely not. I, but I feel like in this instance, 
yeah, it, of course it's There's not no a question. performance. There's absolutely no, no question about, about it. it. Um, yeah, and yeah. <sighs> yeah. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go out and rethink my life. Okay, you do that. But yeah, and I think we don't really don't think we really need to say much more. I mean, no, I don't think we need to labour the point anymore. Um, not an epic three-hour film, or you know, a five-hour back-to-back action-a-thon like we've got with other films that he's been in. But yeah, I just I, I'm desperate for everybody to see this just for for these two these two performances, and also just for the writing. I mean, like for me, from my point of view, now I, this is my sort of my introduction to. Um, August to yeah August Wilson. So now I I want to I you know I'm more I'm interested now because I know Fences is out there and it was based on a play. Now I like, was oh, same by the guy who wrote Ma Rainey. I want to see that or like if I see something you know if I because there was a time when I was a theatre person I used to go to the theatre. Um, I would love to have seen like a version of this on stage it would be really powerful. I'm sure it would. Um, yeah. And I'm interested in seeing more of this guy's writing and more of the of the of the adaptations that come off the back of that. Um, particularly now, if if this is the caliber, like and Denzel's, like you say, got the the rights to them, and it's likes of him and Viola who are making these movies happen. I'm yeah. really, I, I want to see more um, because this, well, these are great, and yeah, um, yeah. I mean, and if, and if it at... means by having a, a Netflix film, you've reached that wider audience. Like I never necessarily would have gone to see the the West End stage version of Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, but I saw the Netflix film, and now I'm in. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So if if yeah. from from a cultural point of view, it, it's 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 enriching in that way. I think you should definitely check it out. Yeah, for sure. I mean, one of the things that I do want to sort of touch on slightly, I mean, it's probably something that we can get more in depth on at another time, but over the last sort of couple of years, we've seen this real push for diversity within Netflix. Yeah. You know, Netflix is, we, we aren't talking about, you know, a lot of cinema. We, we are looking at this sort of like, um, you know, the Oscars so white issues that are floating around. And you are, we're all very aware of the fact that there's a, like this endemic or systemic racism within Hollywood that where people, you know, you'll get one film from like BAME or um you'll get something that's like like a standout piece and they'll be like oh and this is this from this and that'll be it and there'll be five yeah. white guy films and there'll be one and invari- one invariably film. as well that is often a movie that's around the subject of slavery yeah so it'll be slavery and it'll, it'll be 12 years of slave it will be or race that will be the point of it do you know what i mean yeah. and that's and that's to say that i mean Ma Rainey Black Bottom is another example of that. Um, mm-hmm. That's not its fault. It just is what it is. I, you know, hope for the day where you get a, a movie where a black performer or a black director or, you know, a black cast is honoured and recognised just not because the, the point of the movie that they've made is, oh, look how terrible slavery was or look how bad racism is that yeah. we get every year. Like, you know, Green Book, for example, um, often yeah. gets criticised as that is a whitewashed. Like, oh look, this one white guy is really nice, and all the other how horrible it was to be a black person. It's like it's really preachy. I'm like, can we not just have a film that happens to have a, a black lead in it and gets an Oscar nomination like a like a white person's film would? Yeah, you know what I mean. That, can we not just do that? Does it have to be the subject matter? Has to be that in order for it to get over the line? Is like 
that's the thing that I'm I'm waiting for. I think once and we reach that, that point, that's when we've got that that actual you know equality that people are looking for. Yeah, and that'll be like that'll be a starting point of, and when we start to see that on a more regular basis, because what tends to happen now is you'll get like everybody pats themselves on the back for having twelve years a slave be made, and or they're green like book, or, yeah. or green book or something like that, which is like white filmmakers making a black story or white filmmakers channeling a black voice. Yeah. But Netflix seems to be really behind this. Netflix seems to be so widely diverse in the way that it's sort of getting this stuff across the board now, and they're pushing it for views. And you go, actually, is Netflix the new best model to do this? I know people, we've got people like Steven Spielberg saying that Netflix doesn't deserve to have a voice at the table, but like, no, if they're if they're producing stuff like this, then no. <laughs> Sorry, Stephen, like, you're wrong. <laughs> you're very wrong. Like, yeah, for every six underground that they make, they make one you know, of these. Yeah. For every Mar Rainey's Black Bottom, they make three six undergrounds or Ark or whatever they're called. These just shit action films that just people put on in the background whilst they've got the we're having their mates around for a beer. But then they're putting out these performances like beasts of no nation for example is another thing it's like this black story like african story about things that happen to black people that isn't a white man telling them off or yeah you know and then we get something like the five bloods as well which is, again yeah. it's a very black story and it's these amazing performances that are being put out and the voices that are being given are kind of being throttled into Netflix and the industry isn't recognizing it because it's just on a smaller screen. Yeah, I think, that, I mean, that's that's what's interesting. I mean, you mentioned um, Beast of No Nation. Um, and is it, hang on, let me get the guy's name up. It's uh, Carrie Fukunaro, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, and, and what's he, what's he filmed, what's he made now? Uh, oh, he's Bond, isn't he? Bond. Exactly. So when so on Netflix, he can make Beasts of No Nation. If he wants to make a Hollywood film, he has to make a James Bond movie with Daniel Craig. Yeah, that's the difference. Do you see? Do you see what I mean? Like he he's got that unique voice, and he wants to make films like Beasts of No Nation. And instead, but when he steps into the Hollywood arena, they go right. Here's Barbara. Here's a script for a uh, the fifth James Bond film. Here's all the sponsorship you've got to do. Here's all the you know yeah. the things you've got to shoehorn in because a Hollywood if he'd gone to a you know a big studio like MGM or a Sony and said this is my idea for Beast and Donation it probably wouldn't have been made but Netflix did yeah that's the difference so I mean yeah and we, we've talked about this often when we talk about Netflix stuff is that it does foster new talent it does allow and, and it reaches a wider audience I think the other one that I, I I think we both watched is His House yeah which is an amazing I, film. We still haven't done an episode. No, on we that. should do an episode on it actually. But that's another example of this exactly this kind of thing in terms of giving mm. filmmakers a voice and a, a platform to reach people and and hone their craft in a way that yeah. the studio system does not allow for anymore. No. Um, because and it has to, everything has this. to be a blockbuster. Everything has to be a tentpole movie that launches the franchise, and that, that there's no room for anything else really. Um, so yeah, Netflix and the streaming services are where you go if you want to make it as a filmmaker these days. Yeah, and they fucking should be though. They're putting out some really, really interesting stuff, and yeah. like, uh, like it's you know it's quite well known that I love horror films, and which is how I came to sort of see his house. And it was, it, 
it's a lot of original horror is on Netflix as well. And they've done, they do so many of these different things. And yeah, there are channels like Shudder that have some really original stuff in there. Like One Cut of the Dead is like, is something that might be worth talking about at some point. Yeah. Because that's, that's a Korean film, but it's like a Korean zombie film that's done in a, in a really unique way and it's really fun and then but then there's loads of different things that exist out there and it is these streaming services that are putting the money behind it mm. and especially now in this sort of a post-covid world yeah like are we gonna be like where do we where do we go from here yeah. you know because if we're not you know if wonder woman is gets a gets a pasting it has <laughs> you know and yeah. nobody and it's like the biggest release of the year is tenet and yeah. wonder woman and bad boys three you know these like big movies that we're watching but bad boys three is a threequel tenet is well we've gone into that before but uh, and then there's Wonder Woman that's getting it kicking. And these are like the massive releases. But then you get such amazing performances out of people in stuff like Mar Rainey's Black Bottom and Defy Bloods and stuff like that. So fucking long reign Netflix. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, like say, but but having said that, they probably like people are also talking about um, Six Underground as being the, one of the worst films of the year. So, and that's the one where all the money goes. Like, it's, yeah. it's, uh, But then it, again, it's proof that to make a great film, you don't need a big budget um, when you've got as, as good a talent behind it as you got this. Um, exactly. And, and, and yeah, what's, what's interesting is we do have that mix of old and new talent. Like, you know, I can't remember the name of the guy who did um, his house, but that's like his directorial debut or, or one of isn't it? It's like his feature yeah. length debut. So you've got that on one side. And then on the other side, you've got, you know, industry powerhouses like Viola Davis and Denzel Washington who are using Netflix to make their, August Wilson movie, yeah, because that's because they go well. You guys will fund it because the you know the studios aren't that interested. They don't think it will make a lot of money or get a lot of Oscar buzz, which are the only two things they care about. Yeah. So okay, fine. We'll put it. We'll make it with Netflix. And Netflix, are, you know, quite aware of this. The disparaging comments that people like Spielberg are saying that they don't deserve a seat at the table, and you know, it's like, well, fuck you, you know, like. They're putting out amazing films. Yeah. And you might only see that. You might only see a limited run of that. But they're putting out, they're, yeah, they're investing I mean, Christ, money. Scorsese made a movie with them. Like, you know well, exactly. Like, <laughs> like, yeah. So. Yeah. But look, as much as, yeah, as much as we were singing Netflix praises, at the end of the day, they still cancelled Daredevil. So fuck them. Oh. <laughs> yeah that's fair i'll yeah. never let they i'll call, never let that go back. i'll never let that go tom well, that's that three three series model isn't it yeah that's that that pisses me off that whole thing it's like well, it's, well it doesn't create buzz anymore because it's got three series and well yeah but you've got a loyal fan base yeah but it's not new we need new we need clicks oh fuck off then. yeah <laughs> yeah um, so but anyway they make good films <laughs> yeah so yeah hopefully they'll keep 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 making really good films yeah. and then we can keep being really pretentious and being like i told you netflix were good yeah yeah but uh yeah also like yeah oh, again like yeah anyway i'm gonna i'd go on for hours about this 
but yeah saying about stuff like even like comedy like auntie donna for example yeah um like a lot of like the netflix anime stuff that's being put out like transformers like netflix owns the, owns the rights to put out transformers animated shows now yeah so like, yeah for gone. as long as it's profitable and they don't have to pay too much for the license then well there are three se- there are three seasons oh that, that's uh, done the then. Third, third season comes third season comes out in may and um, we'll be done license will get too expensive and they'll fuck it off <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway, um, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom is an amazing film um, for a number of, for all the reasons we've said. Incredibly well written, incredible performances, and yeah, um, Chadwick Boseman, um, R.I.P. Rest He's an amazing talent, and this, um, yeah, this yeah. is a, an incredible showcase and an incredible swan song for him. If it shouldn't be, but it is what it is. Yeah. Yeah, and you're right. Yeah, that doesn't really need to say anything else. Like, no. It's the saddest news that we aren't going to be able to get more from him. But we can look forward to more from Viola. So it is, you know, it's bittersweet in a way that, you know, we, we're going to continue to see some amazing performances through Viola Davis. And it's, but it's also quite heartrending. Yeah. And, and the whole relationship there with um, Denzel, because Denzel was, you know, Chadwick's. Um, guy he paid for him to go to drama yeah. school he's kind of discovered him and like and fostered him into the, the the guy that we all know and he had a massive part in making his career what it was um mm. so this is kind of his it's nice that the last film that he made was something that he made with denzel um yeah yeah <sighs> fuck yeah <laughs> kind of wraps it up and yeah. i don't think yeah i think we'll leave it there yeah rest okay. in peace rest in peace Chadwick. um thanks for listening guys um let us know what you think of this um if you do watch it i'd highly please do because it's great um yeah. and in the meantime we will get back and watch some more stuff and maybe yeah like um his house we should definitely talk about at some point because i did watch that a few weeks ago now um, and it's great um but there are loads of stuff out there that's come out over the last year that is still for us to dig into so we will get into it um as the the blackout the cinema blackout continues yeah it'll be all right it'll be fine it'll come back one day it'll uh, be back one day one day thanks daisy. it'll be they'll be back thanks thanks daisy all right thanks guys oh, you're a flower not a bit of wood we <laughs> got a nice right thanks guys see you next week all right see you next time bye Wee.